0: Because I'm feeling very, very excited. I don't get to preach two Sundays in a row very often as an assistant pastor. And so, uh, yeah, it reminds me of, I love preaching at camps and retreats. And since COVID happened, I haven't had the opportunity to do that. Camps and retreats are so fun because you get to do like a, a full series. And it's back on back on back on back. So, like, there's no time for people to forget about what you preached about last week because it wasn't last week. It was yesterday or it was this morning. Um, and uh, oh, it's just so good to be able to stack up a message. And, like, so this this Sunday is a continuation from last Sunday. Bef- but before I get there, um, as I was... Preparing myself this morning, spending some time alone with God. I heard, that music stand's not going to work either. I heard um, God speak a word to me for us. It was pretty simple. But I want you to hear this this morning because I think it's important. I'm going to start by reading a portion of Psalms 19, which he placed in my head at the same time. We're a Pentecostal church, and we practice Pentecostal. We practice the, the, the Pentecost that the uh, apostles experienced. We practice and experience the Holy Spirit moving, speaking the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So if you're new, fairly new, I want you to know... That we believe you too. This isn't, this is, I told you, man, I am excited this morning. This is something, this is a bonus beyond the bonus. Uh, if, if If the Pentecostal experience, if the Pentecostal church is newer to you, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit is for everybody. Just seek after him. Be obedient. Okay. Psalms 19. Uh, I'm just going to read starting in verse 7. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord are clear giving insight for living. This is what I heard God saying to us this morning. You deafened ears, be opened. You hardened hearts, be softened. The time for the Lord to move is now. It is not solely dependent on me. Soften before me. I'll ask Weston to pull up my title slide for this morning, Forming a Legacy. Well, that's a problem. I printed the wrong message version this morning. So we're going to preach from my phone. How did I do that? That's crazy. Uh, It's on my laptop, which is being used in Kids Jam. Um, I don't have it. Can you go down and grab my laptop for me? Steal it from them? I emailed it to myself last night because I prepare from, like, two weeks ago I started preparing this message. I'm stalling for time right now. Two weeks ago I started preparing this message. It literally takes me about that much time to prepare a message. And then, like, I keep working on it and preaching it to myself through until the night before. And I'm making edits and changes to it the night before and then I went at around 9:30 last night emailed it to myself to print off when I got here this morning from my laptop but I emailed like the second draft of my sermon and so it's about three times as long as this morning's sermon is supposed to be so you don't want me to preach this, or else we'll be here probably until 1 o'clock. Thank you, Jim. So last Sunday, we, who remembers what we talked about last Sunday? Who here was awake? The high priest. And what, what did we learn about ourselves We're all called to a holy priesthood. We talked about the garments which they wore. We talked about uh, the tabernacle. We talked about uh, those who were serving in, around, anything to do with the tabernacle. And we talked about how each and every one of us is called to a priesthood. We talked about... How there was nothing that was insignificant to do with the priest, or sorry, the tabernacle, and those, the tribe of Levi that were involved in the tabernacle or helping around the tabernacle, and how there was no lesser tribe, there was no lesser role, that each one of the tribe of Levi had a significant role within the tabernacle. And just the same, each and every one of us have a significant call. How did I do for my stall? I'm ready now. Today, I want to go back to that same time in Scripture, but this time we're going to focus in on a couple important people. And the people I'm talking about are two men by the name of Bazel and Aholiab. And in Exodus 31, it tells us that God appointed these two individuals to build the tabernacle, all of its related items, uh, create the garments of glory that the priests wore that we talked about last week. Uh, we know that Bezalel was the builder, and Oholiab was his assistant. And well, forever, because it's written in the Bible, will forever remember their labor of love. And even more, to my mind, what stuck out was their obedience to God's word. Now, being completely honest, transparent, if it had have been, if these two names had to come up in Not Your Normal Trivia Night uh, that we had a couple months ago, which, by the way, not your normal trivia night. Everyone that was there, put up your hand. Everyone that was there, who had a ton of fun. Yeah, it was an amazing night. We'll be bringing that back this fall, by the way, uh, as lo- as well as connect groups. But if those two names had to come up at not your normal trivia night, and there had been a question around them, I would have no idea who those people were. If it hadn't have been for me. Studying this piece of scripture and God pointing them out in significance to them, am I the only one that would have been like, who in the world are they? Anyone anyone better than me and you know their name right away? No? That's, that's a smart, smart decision. S- saying publicly, I am better than you. I'm just kidding. But uh, knowing what I know now about them, they remind me how God always blesses obedience. I'm not sure if these guys realized it at the time, but their obedience helps us know more about living a strong Christian life. And this morning, I want to spend some time gleaning four things. I mean, there's a lot more than that to glean, but specifically four things from these dudes. I want to start by asking you, how will you be remembered? Will how you're remembered help create... Listen to these questions. These are important questions to consider going into this message. Think about these. Will how you're remembered help create a hunger for God to those who follow after you, those who you connect with as you live out your life? Will how you're remembered strengthen the faith of those who follow after you? Will how you're remembered inspire those who follow after you to live godly in Christ? I don't know about you, but I personally desire to be remembered like Bazel and Oholiab. I want to remember it for being obedient to the word of God, for doing something for God that outlives this young man, moderately old man. So, once again, I ask you, how will each of you be remembered? What will each of us be remembered for? So this morning, like I said, we're going to consider four things. We're going to glean four principles taken from these two people. First off, they had a good work ethic. Let me ask you, when God looks around for someone to accomplish his work, his his will, do his eyes fall upon you? God usually summons the busy we're all busy folks as I said last week you're retired, and usually you're even more busy than before you retired I don't know how that happens but it, that's what everybody says look at Jim man that dude doesn't slow down God usually summons the busy not the lazy to accomplish his will we know that Bezalel and Oholiab, they both had a good work ethic. They were tradespeople. Uh, they were people of skill before they ever started to work on the tabernacle. And you say, well, they were, the Israelites were wandering around the desert. How could they be busy? Well, it wasn't just like a town of 5,000 people wandering ar- around the desert. Is that what has anyone else pictured it that way? Like, just just it was just a handful of people walking through the desert. Am I the only one that's ever, like, had that image? It was tens of thousands of people that were wandering around the desert. It wasn't quite just like a saunter down the path. Oh, I'm just going for a relaxing stroll. Just me and a couple buddies going for a stroll. No, it was tens of thousands of people. So to move as they wandered around the desert, it was a lot of people to move. And they weren't necessarily moving day after day. It was a lot of people to take care of, garments to mend, Uh, wagons to build, take care of, resources to gather and to turn to people. And there would have been a market of sorts of buying and selling of, of goods from each other because the kids and the wife, they always want something new. And so what's old to me is new to you, and especially if I can make something better out of it. I don't know if it actually happened that way but we know that they were trades people and they would have been busy before god ever called them out from what they were doing and they didn't say oh moses i, I got too much on my plate right now you just don't know what i'm going through i i ask me another time i just i just can't quite fit in It just doesn't quite fit into my schedule right now. But like maybe maybe in the fall, when vacations are done and all my family's gone home, then, then that's a good time for me to start working on the tabernacle. No, they were obedient immediately. And even though they were already busy, they said, all right, I can take this on. And then, if they didn't have enough on their plate already... Exodus thirty five thirty four tells us that they made time in their already even busier schedule to stop and train other people because they couldn't do it on their self or by themselves. Some of us need to work on our work ethic. And then as we work on our work ethic, ethic, and sometimes that may be just as simple as work on our obedience to God's calling and saying yes, as we work on our work ethic, then watch and see how God will use you. The opportunities, the doors that God will open up. And so the first thing that these two gentlemen will be remembered for in their good or in their life is a good work ethic. Secondly, second principle to learn they were obedient to the word of God. The psalmist describes them in Psalm one nineteen verse excuse me, verse two. Happy are those who keep his decree and seek him with all their heart. Now, to be fair, the psalmist wasn't exactly talking about these two men on their own. The psalmist, David, was talking about obedient people on the whole, saying that those that say yes, basically, to God, instead of making excuses why not... Happy are those people who keep his decree. God spoke first to Moses. He gave Moses this master plan, if you will. And then Moses spoke to Bazal and Oholiab, giving them the plan that God had given Moses. And then we see through scripture that they then they being Mizael and Oholiab carried out that plan and this is exactly what the scriptures say just as the Lord had commanded Moses if you look through this portion of the bible and read and the plans that Moses was given from God like they were significant there was nothing small or easy about it there was it was exact like it was the perfect design given from god and it would have been tempting i'm sure at times for these two gentlemen to say ah oh, we can save ourselves some time we can chalk off early this day if, if we just do it this way. It would be so much easier. Man, I am really tired right now. You don't know what's going on at home. It's not going to matter that much. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to do it this way. And everything will still look beautiful. People will not even know. But they were obedient. Hymn, there's a hymn that many of us here grew up with. Singing it says, Trust and obey. There is no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Apparently, I am at that age in my ministry where I am now singing old songs of my childhood. I have hit that, that milestone. I just, this is the first time I think I've ever done that. And I felt like my dad, who is also a pastor. Just much older than me. I love you, Dad. He's on vacation and very well might be watching right now. Think of it in terms of what I call the feed, flow, follow. Sorry, I got that backwards. Feed, follow, flow growth method. You're taking notes. You can add this to the four points of this morning. So first, feed on the Word of God. This is the point where I wasn't quite sure what the purpose of the word that God gave me, but I think this might be part of it. Um, For those of us that especially are aged in our, not human age, but our Christianity, it's something that's going to seem simple, but man, we got to do better at this as a church. If we want to see revival... Personally, each and of us, every one of us, have to do better with these three things. First, feed on the Word of God. Too many of us call ourselves followers of Jesus, but are spiritually anemic. If you don't know what anemia is, anemia is a condition in which you lack enough healthy red blood cells to carry adequate oxygen to your body's tissues. Having anemia can make you feel tired and weak. It's no wonder so many of us struggle in our Christianity, struggle in our faith, second guess if God really can use me so many of us question whether or not the Holy Spirit is even present in our lives, say, are the gifts of the Spirit just a bunch of hogwash? It's no wonder many of us feel at times spiritually weak when we're trying to survive and even thrive Spiritually on one meal per week. Sunday morning. Five minutes of prayer before we fall asleep. This is a real story. And not as crazy or uncommon as it sounds. A pastor was visiting with a woman who had come forward during an altar call who emphatically Told him that she knew she was saved and had been baptized, but had grown lukewarm. She looked at the pastor and asked, What do I do? He asked her how her devotional life was. She said, None existing. He asked her how her prayer life was. She said, I seldom pray. Then he asked her, Had she been feeding God's word? And she said, I hadn't read my Bible in a long time. This is really common, folks. Like I said, this is not a fictional story. This is a real story. I've intentionally taken names out. He, said, he looked at her and said, no wonder you've grown lukewarm. Get back to praying. Get back to feeding on God's word. And watch how your lukewarmness fades into a hot flame of God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who is a German Lutheran pastor and theologian, in his book Life Together speaks of those times of what we commonly refer to as inner dryness. He goes on to talk about the importance of meditating on God's Word. Meditating in Christian circles can have this really New Age connotation, which uh, we need to get over that, frankly. Meditating isn't just for New Agers or just for those that practice yoga. Let's redeem for Christ... The things that originally belong to Christ, okay? Let's stop giving Satan strongholds and power over things that don't belong to him in the first place. This entire world and everything that is within it belongs to one, and that is God. And who are we? We're the children of God. So let's get over these fears that we have and remind ourselves of the power of Christ that is within us. And let's claim these things. And one of those things that is so vital to a Christian life is meditating on the Word of God. In our times of prayer, becoming silent and quiet, focusing... In meditating, there's a term called centering. And so instead of going worldly and new agey and centering on good things or centering on ourselves, we center on God and allow God to speak to our hearts through his word as we meditate on it. kind of like you chew on it like a cud sorry a cow chews on cud hear this feed on his word until it preoccupies you until it even disturbs you until it drives you closer to god until it satisfies your inner longings, until it strengthens you just like a good meal. It's time to give up the fast food restaurant spiritually, folks. It's time to go in for those good, meaty, steak and potato, heaping vegetable type spiritual meal with Christ. Fast food relationship, a meal of convenience, doesn't work if you're designed to see God work within you. We need to feed our souls like we feed our stomachs every day, multiple times a day, and not just with garbage. So first, feed on the word of God. Second, follow the word of God. We read in James 1, verses 22 through 25. I prefer the New Living Translation, so most of what I am reading is out of the New Living Translation. I choose to read it off my screen, because if I don't put it into my notes, then my message becomes like 15 minutes longer, I've learned, experience has told me. So I have my Bible... I tend to read it off my screen because it's what works for me. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But... If you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. God didn't simply give us his word to stimulate our thinking or to just increase our knowledge. God gave us his word to change our lives, to form us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. It's not just for entertainment, folks. I wasn't always this way, especially as a young Christian who was, or somewhat been in Christ, but wasn't fully convinced of what he had done for me and that it was worth giving myself for Christ. But over time, I've formed this love for really digging in and discovering more about God's Word. I enjoy digging, quote, like a new well Um, When I'm preparing messages, especially in like far back, it was a really exciting experience to dig a new well and realize, man, I got a real gusher here. Like this is a lot of good water. It's exciting, when, especially for me when I'm preparing a message and, and seeing more of God, experiencing God speaking louder to me. At times, many times, I don't just desire just new information or I don't just want to discover a couple new guys because um, that's really not going to do anything for, for me in the long run. I, discover t- I desire to really discover and experience God. Revealing himself to me in a new way as I'm really trying to eat, to dig in deep to the word of God. And I need to go farther than just reading it, but I need to obey the parts that I'm just discovering and equally important, the parts that are already familiar to me, that feel like... like. Sunday school stories. If we would just obey what we know, if it went from hidden knowledge to something much greater than that, which is action, we would all be so much better off spiritually. First Samuel 15, verses 22 says, But Samuel replied. What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Living obedience to the word of God, that is something that is important for the here for the now for the future of the legacy that we're trying to form imagine the impact that will make that you will make in the lives of your family of your friends being remembered being known as someone who trusts and obeys the word of God being seen living that out as a part of our daily life. Because of Bazal and Oholiab, because they were obedient to the word of God, we see that others in their time followed after them and copied them and became equally obedient. Never underestimate the importance of such a seemingly simple act Of obedience your obedience I guarantee you it will encourage others to obedience especially if that comes in the in a time where they see you stepping out in an area where they're like wow I know that this isn't a safe zone for them there's someone specific here that I don't want to point out because they might kill me Um, but there's someone specific here that a few weeks ago during our evangelism training with Gather to Go, man, they they were not cool with going out and having to speak to somebody on the sidewalks. Like, they were not cool. I was actually very surprised to see them show up Sunday morning because I knew that they were that afraid about it. But they stepped out, and they were obedient. They set an example to others, and before they went out, like their team knew that they were, they were not cool with this, but they were, were going to go do it. They are putting their best foot forward in obedience. And God honors that action, and it speaks to people around you when they see you living counterculture, Another simple act of obedience we think is simple, but just to give you an example is like baptism. That's obedience to Christ. It encourages others to be obedient. Sometimes it causes other people to come to Christ. I put this in there because I wanted to mention a quick experience from my past which proves this obedience. There's a church that I pastored previous to being here, one of the churches that I pastored. Um, There was a young man who came into my youth group uh, midway one Friday evening. And um, after everything was over, he and his friend who regularly attended the youth group came up to me and said, uh, can we have a conversation? So we sat down to make a really long evening, like it was 9.30 till 12 a.m. Uh, that this conversation went on. He talked to me and told me that he grew up in an atheist family. And he himself, he would have been 17 at the time, was an outspoken, had been an outspoken atheist. And... uh he lived in the sort of household where they outright made fun and vulgar ways of Christians and Christian belief. And uh, this guy who was a part of my youth group, um, had been trying for as long as they've been friends, like they've been friends for a lot of years, to chip away at that, you could say but never really felt like he was getting anywhere because any time they tried to get or the, he tried to get into a conversation with his friend about his faith, it was just like he was scoffed at. But uh, this young person who was an atheist, one night was taking a bath, just relaxing. And do you know who showed up? God. And without going the details, it was just a miraculous story of God speaking to this atheist, like literally making this atheist aware by speaking to him. And the atheist was like, "This is crazy! Like, I just, I just can't explain the experience." <laughs> I'm like, "I get it. It's, it's un." Imaginable, and so this young man gave his life to Christ that night, and he was so afraid to go home and tell his parents because of how they would react. It they would react to him, and it wasn't it wasn't easy. But like his parents were like, "Okay, it's your life. You do what you want with it. We think you're ridiculous, but you do what you want with it." And then uh, about. Eight months later, we were having a baptism at the church. And this young man wanted to get baptized. And he said, I doubt they're going to come, but I'm going to invite my parents anyhow. And uh, do you know who showed up that morning? His parents. Do you know who were some of the most proud people in that entire building as this young man got up and gave his testimony in the baptismal tank and tears came into their eyes, his parents, who wanted to stand up after were asking me to get pictures with, with their son and for me to stand in the pictures with their son um, and them, his parents. In a difficult situation, that young man was obedient coming from a background where if anyone is going to push back against God, it would be him. So much more should you and I, who have the knowledge and firsthand experience of Jesus Christ working in our lives, having given witness to him doing great things around us, how much more should you and I be more willing to follow, to obey? And then thirdly, so we had feed on the Word of God, follow the Word of God, thirdly, flow with the Word of God. Let me ask you this. When you eat a meal, what happens to what you eat? Does it stay in you forever biologically is that i mean if that if that's what happens to you biologically um, then you s- need to go see a doctor immediately if that's happening um this is worse than constipation when you eat, it clearly is never meant to, to or intended to stay inside of us for a long time when we eat we eat because it strengthens our body we get vitamins and minerals out of it and then what's left well what's true for you physically and i'm really not trying to be grotesque i'm trying to prove a point stay with me please what's true for you physically is true for you spiritually Feed on God's word. Then follow God's word. And then let God's word flow out from your life. As you love other people, as you forgive other people, as you minister to other people, as you encourage people, witness to people, and simply care for people. You want to know why you suddenly see God's Word flowing through your life? You ever wonder that? Let me tell you. This is going to sting for some people. But it's pretty simple. It's because you're not feeding. It's because you're not following the Word of God. If you're not doing those two things... Just like a body that becomes malnourished, there's nothing for the body to pass on. As you spiritually become malnourished, you have nothing to give. The Spirit of Christ can't flow out of you. You cannot become a cup overflowing if there's nothing going in that cup for the first place. If you're not feeding on the Word of God, if you're not following and obedient, being obedient to the Word of God. God cannot and will not flow through us. It's a physical, spiritual impossibility. So these two men, first, they had a work ethic. Secondly, they were obedient. And we talked about the three things that are important for growth within our life. Thirdly, they were remembered for working together to accomplish something great, truly magnificent. For God, there was no automation in that day; it was all done by hand. Exodus thirty-six, verse two, says: "So Moses summoned Bezalel and Oholiab, and every skilled person, in whose heart the Lord had placed wisdom, all whose hearts moved them." to come to work and do it. These two men teamed up to accomplish something great for God that literally neither of them could have accomplished on their own. Ecclesiastes verse or sorry chapter 4 verses 9 through 12 says two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one falls, then the other one can reach out and help but someone who falls alone is in real trouble likewise two people lying close to one another keep each other warm right Do you guys keep each other warm at night in the winter yeah anyone else that's still in the honeymoon phase and your hubby or your wife is on the coach gets cold and can you keep me warm yeah, Paul, Paul gets cold and Jose cuddles up to him to keep him warm. Jose is the big spoon. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three, even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Man, that last part, something that we say all the time, It's a well-known part of Scripture. How much do we apply that? Don't miss this. Bazel was better with Oliab, and Oliab was better with Bazel. Those two, they had the same call upon their life. They had the same appointment from God, the same desire to accomplish something great for God, the same assignment to get it uh, together and get it done. God never intended us to do this alone. And I guarantee you, you try to do this alone, this spiritual walk, and it's a guaranteed formula to disappointment and frustration and probably just giving up. So ask yourself, who do I have by my side Who do I need by my side side to change my situation? Who can I trust to make me better? We see proof through history. Moses was better with Aaron. Joshua was better with Caleb. Ruth was better with Naomi. Paul was better with Silas. Joey was better with Chandler. The Lone Ranger was better with Toto. Batman was better with Robin. Frodo was better with Sam. Timon was better with Pumbaa. Han Solo was better with Chewbacca. Yogi was better with... That's right, Woody was better with Buzz Lightyear. (laughs) And Steve Jobs was better with John Scully. Let me finish with that, or stop there for a second. Scully, good old Scully, and the success of Apple, he doesn't get, like, the limelight. Steve Jobs always gets the limelight. But Scully was a successful executive with uh, PepsiCo, and at uh, one point, Steve Jobs came up and asked, by the way, go Pepsi. Uh, Steve Jobs asked Scully one day what it would take for him to come to work with him at Apple. Scully said he'd need a million dollars a year, a million dollars to sign, and a million bonus. Jobs thought about it and soon made him that offer, and truly, Scully balked at it. Like, I'm sure he thought never in a million years would Steve Jobs come to him. Then Steve Jobs hit him with one final question. This is, this is all true, folks. This is facts. Do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life, or do you want to change the world? I don't know about you, but I would react the same way that Scully did. That, that did it for Scully. And Scully went with Apple, and the rest is history, and you look at Apple now. Steve Jobs was truly better with Scully, and he knew enough. Even though Steve Jobs, like if you look or get to know who Steve Jobs was, he was a difficult man to get along with. He thought way too highly of himself and his abilities and very little of many other people. But he came to a point finally where he said, I can't accomplish my dreams and goals on my own. And guess what? We all need to come to this place where we realize there is no way that we are going to see the city of Bathurst impacted in the way that we dream and desire if we continue to try do it by ourselves or continue to say that person can do it on their own they are more than capable yeah I have a lot of talents and abilities but one of them is not growing this church by myself growing a youth group by myself growing a kids ministry by myself that same thing I love pastor Andrew more than most people I know I love that man and respect that man so much. That man will burn out if he tries to grow this church and we allow him to do this on his own. And he will try and he will tug because he has the work ethic and he has great ability. But if we cannot step up and walk alongside him, we won't see that growth. There's so many churches that they ask their pastor to resign because the church hasn't grown the way that they expect it. Boards that sit down with the pastor and say, I'm sorry, we need to have a conversation. We expected the church to be at this point by now and it's not. So we're going to have to part ways. That happens a lot in churches, whether or not you realize that. And I don't, our board and you guys I don't see that I'm not trying to infer this on you guys hear me on that I don't see that that spirit's not here but the danger is as congregation members because things don't go quite the way that we dreamed oh it has to be their fault no guess what it takes a community to succeed and if that community fails it's on the community and so if we desire to see this community change, to see these pews to be filled, to see our youth group at where it used to be at one point, our kids' ministry to be where it was, jungle days, I don't ever want it to be at that point, to be clear. I want it to be more than that. I don't desire for the old glory days. I desire for a new uppouring of the Holy Spirit as a result. Of what God is doing in us. So, who's going to make us better? We are together. As we work hard, as we're obedient to the Word of God, as we remember as we're remembered for working together to accomplish something great for God in the city of Bathurst. And finally, the final thing that uh, we can learn from these two gentlemen is they finished what they started. Exodus 43, verses 33, ironically says, So Moses finished the work. Uh, okay, well, a little thanks to Bazel and Aholiab and all the other Israelites that pitched in as well, but Moses finished the work. I mean, Moses was the one that got it and encouraged people, but it was a whole team that finished the work. They were known as finishers, not merely starters, There they were, living their lives, making a living, building stuff, being creative, minding their own business, and then suddenly God interrupted their lives like literally a sudden bolt of lightning, just jerked them out of what they were doing, this comfortable living that they were within. And that's how interruptions often can feel in our life, right? Like jolts of lightning, like, what? I'm busy. No, not right now. Interruptions, they can be frustrating. I'm a dad with four kids. I get it. You've got to come to a place where you're okay with unexpected interruptions. Did you know that life interruptions can be from God. Have you ever stopped to consider that? That life interruptions could be, not all the time, but they can be from God. If all things truly work together for the good of those who love God and so are called to his purposes, then vis-a-vis, that includes what we call or consider interruptions, right? Might be an uh, uncomfortable at times to consider. A little quiet there. It's true. Oswald Chambers said, I take interruptions as from the Lord. They belong in my schedule because the schedule is God's to arrange at his pleasure. Let, I don't think you heard that. I take interruptions as from the Lord. They belong in my schedule because the schedule is God's to arrange At his pleasure. That's exactly what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 2, verse 10. For we are God's masterpieces. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us a long time ago. God interrupted Peter while experiencing revival in Samaria. I'm using this word, interrupt it in quotations, interrupt it, and send him to the desert. What a place to go when you're having a revival, God. That interrupts it, results in this little Ethiopian man getting saved, and just something small happened. He just took the gospel to another continent. No big deal. God interrupted, I'm being facetious, God interrupted Saul on the road to Damascus and he became Paul, one of the most all-time influential apostles because of an interruption. God interrupted Bazel and Ab while they were living their lives and making a living, and that interruption resulted in the construction of the tabernacle, the related items, the holy garment worn by a high priest, just an insignificant thing. What started out as an interruption turned out being a part of God's plan for accomplishing something that was greater than they could have ever imagined. And they're remembered for that. And so, to recap, as we conclude, Bezalel and Oholiab were remembered for first. What were they remembered for? Hard work ethic. Secondly, they're remembered for obedience. That's right. Thirdly,